Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor. Today I have a special guest on and that is Dr. Kerry Johnson. Dr. Kerry Johnson is a business coach, international speaker, and best-selling author. Hello, Kerry. How are you? Hi, Eric. Really good, thanks. Man, I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> we, we we spoke a little bit before the podcast. I'm going to cheat here and tell the audience. We spoke a little bit before the podcast, and I had to stop Carrie from talking. I'm like, okay, wait a second. This is this is amazing, and the audience needs to hear this. So I'd like just to kind of start over with you uh, with some basic questions about who you are, what you do, and, and, and why you're doing it. So let, let's get right into it. I know you're a business coach. So what does that look like, and how did you get into this? Oh, good question. So I was um, a newly admitted uh, PhD uh, in 1981, and right before that, I played pro tennis in the international uh, tennis circuit. I played really? Jimmy Connors, Elliot Telcher, Brian Teacher. Uh, I didn't play uh, McEnroe because it was a couple of years after me, uh, but I realized that I was never going to get beyond 95 in the world. Uh, I just I didn't have the um, talent or whatever. And uh, only the people in the top 20 back in those days actually could make any money at it. So mm. I went back to graduate school, got my doctorate, uh, and then started my practice after uh, one year stint with Kidder Peabody. I was a stockbroker. I used to make 150 cold calls every day. I get rejected 149 times a day, except I call my mom in the afternoons. And even she would say, don't ever call me again. So <laughs> oh, that was how I started my practice. And that was a long time ago. And after maybe about a year, Prentice Hall walked up after a speech and said, would you write a book for us? And Mastering the Game came out. And Simon Schuster, about a year later, said, would you write a book for us? Because they always wanted speakers to be able to uh, write books because they mm -hmm. can sell the books. We don't need more writers. We need more sellers. Uh, so then a couple of years later, uh, my book came out, uh, Peak Performance, How to Increase Your Business by 80% Within Eight Weeks. And that became a, a New York Times bestseller among uh, five other books that I wrote that were on New York Times best list also way before Amazon. Yeah, my goodness. And and the title of that book, I, th I think that's part of a program that you do as well, correct? Yeah, so our coaching company uh, is called uh, Peak Performance, uh, and we promise our clients, guarantee them actually, that they'll increase their business by 80% within eight weeks. And we do three things that differentiates us from pretty much anybody else. Number one, I'm a business psychologist, which basically means that I'm an MBA uh, with a PhD, and I'd say about 75% of the people I deal with at some point have call reluctance. Uh, they have um, emotional intelligence yes. uh, concerns. They have uh, areas that a psychologist can really help with. The fact that, you know, I, I'm obviously very biased here, but I think the best coaches are also psychologists because they could get a lot deeper than uh, people who uh, know the business really well, but they're unable to get that uh, level. So the three things we do is, number one, we put people on a business plan. Uh, we know exactly the activity they have to have on a daily, weekly basis to be able to hit their annual goals. Number two, we rebuild their basic skills <clears throat> so they don't have to work harder. And number three, we build advanced skills so that once we get them to three, five hundred thousand dollars a year, like a jet taking off, expending 30% of its fuel, at cruise altitude, they can pretty much go any place they want to. Wow. So the basic skills are things like um, uh, 
the five-step bridge or how to listen people into doing business with you, uh, COIs or centers of influence, mm -hmm. uh, how to get CPAs uh, and divorce attorneys, estate planning attorneys refer business to you in a very unique way that people have never heard about before, um, how to get social media referrals. Uh, every social, I get, I just got a social media person wanted to connect today. And I, I, what, what I'd love to do is say, don't ever connect with me again, because you know that they're going to keep bombarding you with notes. So social media is good for branding, but our social media program actually connects with people through our clients. So once we connect with people, we talk to them on the telephone for 10 minutes and use our five-step five bridge technique to find out who they are and what their goals are. And that's very effective at generating referrals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, first of all, I feel like I should be laying down on the couch now because when you talked about, uh, you know, people's reluctance to call and that kind of that feeling, I've been in that situation with a with a group that wanted me to make cold calls, and I just struggled with with that. As and I'm, I just don't feel like I'm a salesperson, and I think a lot of business owners feel that same way. They they drag themselves into the business or they're fired up about the business, but they drag themselves into the sales aspect of it because it's just very difficult, hoping to get yeah. to that point where they'll have a salesperson, right? And yeah. uh, man, that's 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 so tough. Now, I, I do want to just prompt the audience. We are going to talk about Dr. Johnson's book, uh, New Mindset, New Results. We're going to talk about that later in the podcast. But one thing I want to ask you about, because I've worked with advisors for years, and seminars are a big deal. Right, and it used to be seminars were a really big deal until COVID. Uh, now we're living in a slightly different time. However, seminars are going to be coming back. Educational events are going to be coming back, and we know that there's virtual educational events as well. Now, you have some seriously strong methods to get people butts in seats, if you will, and how to get attendees making appointments. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about that? Because I think everybody needs to hear that. Yeah, let's talk about the, the stuff that doesn't work at seminars first before we talk about the yes, stuff that perfect. does. We, we know that uh, dinner seminars, I have 25% uh, of the people that are invited to go because they want to have a free meal. Yes. We also know that InfoUSA and the information generation for these seminars, the demos, are seriously flawed. In fact, 25% should even be at the seminar. If we're looking for people that uh, have 100000 bucks in investable assets to have their own home, maybe... 50% of the people we mail to have that. And that's um, displayed by the number of people who just kind of pass along. Hey, why don't you go to this? Especially, I've heard this a lot. Uh, five women get together, and one is invited. They bring the other four. And who's going to say no to one person plus their other friends? Exactly. So the problem is that uh, only 50% of the people at the seminar are qualified. Unless it's a closed list, and we could talk about that too. Uh, when they're qualified, we're only going to book about 25% of the people there. And here's a really important stat. 70% of what we hear will be forgotten within uh, one day. We'll forget 90% within three days. Mm. So the general way of booking appointments is you call people after the seminar, and by the time you call them, they can't remember being at the event, let alone who you are. <laughs> so, so there's really no good ways of uh, making seminars really effective. Yeah, so the average, I got to uh, step close... in here. I got to step yeah, in go here ahead. for a second. I've got a funny story that you'll you'll truly appreciate. We talked about Matt Halloran before. Matt Halloran is with with uh, our group here, and and I've known him for decades. I love the man. And we went out to my hometown area of Seattle to work with a client. He was running business uh, dinner seminars, 
And Matt was there to kind of evaluate some things. And I came along to help also because there's a lot of information to process. So we attended one of the seminars and we made a deal. We're going to sit at separate tables and just kind of soak it all in and talk to the people at the tables and kind of get a, a feel for why they're there, who they are, so on and so forth. And I was sitting at a table and there was a lady to my left, super nice. And she, she had, you know, we were all discussing different things. And she said that this was her third dinner seminar. And I was like, oh, okay, well, who else did you, what other ones have you attended? And she said, well, there was one about three weeks ago. And then there was one about two months ago that I went to. I said, but, but who were they with? Oh, him, <laughs> the same, the same advisor. She oh, attended three dinner seminars and the lady to my right with her husband said, yeah, the last time we came here, we had the steak. We're trying the chicken this time. I'm like, oh my Lord, <laughs> that's all they're doing is, is free dinners. I mean, this is date night. So I just thought, oh yeah. no. So I'm, I'm writing these notes feverishly as I'm, as I'm trying not to let them look at me, write the notes, but you're, you're absolutely right. Those are, those are some of the worst situations. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know and how to some avoid some seniors that, make sure a career know. of seminars. I yeah. get, uh, uh, not during COVID-19, but before that, I, I would get uh, usually three or four dinner seminars a week that I could pick from. And you could actually just save your dinners. But, yeah. you know, the problem is you're not going to, with dinner seminars especially, you're not going to get affluent people. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I go to Hawaii or um, uh, maybe Tahiti or something. Uh, I'm not going to take the time to listen to a three-hour timeshare so I could get a free uh, cocktail cruise. Exactly. Uh, I don't need to do it. I can afford to do a, uh, go on the cruise by myself. I don't need to spend three hours, which is very valuable. So just by definition, you're probably not going to get the kind of people you'd love to get. Yep, agreed, 100%. So, so what do you do? Exactly. Number one is called pre-screen. There's three techniques that are really effective, uh, not only booking appointments, but also making sure the people that come are the people you want to be there. Number one is called pre-screening. Uh, Pre-screening is a, a way to find out who's going to be there. Uh, and not only that, but we, uh, by some very elegant questions, we could find out what they have. Uh, we can find out their assets. We can find out their goals. And mo most importantly, we can find out whether or not there's an advisor involved. So as you ask these questions, we're not going to say to people, unless you choose, you can't come. But I want to know who to focus on. And this can be done with a virtual seminar or a face-to-face, -face, doesn't matter. Question number one. What did you hope to gain from the seminar? Mm -hmm. uh, for seniors, there's only five things that they want to gain. Number one is I want to avoid running out of money during retirement. Mm -hmm. Number two, I want to decrease volatility. Number three, uh, inflation worries me. Number four, taxes bothers me. And number five is either a catastrophic illness or legacy for family. So they're going to mm -hmm. say something like that. Well, I, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about the volatility right now, and uh, I just kind of want to know how to protect my money more effectively. Great. We now, now we know why they're coming. So this is really important for the advisor because if I have a, a, a plethora of people that are coming to hear about running out of money or volatility, maybe I could focus on that topic more than others. Question exactly. number two. I've got to find out through a very elegant way of saying this how much the person has and how much they made. If they're retired... How much did they make before they retired? How much did they have? But you just can't come out and say it. it's just not very elegant. Gee, uh, you know, how much do you have in the market right now? You know, I'm not sure I would say that. What I do want to say, though, is a way of doing this in an, a very elegant, uh, non-aggressive way. So I'm going to give you three categories, Eric. This is going to be uh, participation time. I want you to tell me how much I have, how much I make. 
Number one, I'm a mid-level manager with IBM. I'm 65 years old. I've had that job for 35 years. I'm going to retire in six months. How much do I make? How much do I have? Oh, boy. Uh, you're making, well, I guess it depends on what part of the country you're in, but I'd say 85000 And how much do you have after 35 years? Man, hopefully you've got $1.5 million. Yeah. I'm a teacher. Just retired six months ago. Uh, thirty same same question. Thirty five years as a teacher. Mm, probably under a million. And you're oh, you're just retired. Just retired six months ago. Just retired. Okay, so under you, you've got probably under a million for retirement, unless there's a pension involved, which is going to be a, a different issue. Uh huh. And how much do I make? How much did I make? Did you make when you when you left? Probably sixty five to seventy thousand, I think. Okay, very good. Last question, and this is kind of a trick question. Uh, I've got three floral shops, like Conroy's Florist. Maybe I'm a franchisee. I've had them for 20 years. Same question, and I'm in my early 60s. Can I use my phone, a friend? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you're going to get this one, too, I promise. Yeah, okay, uh, wow, three. Gee, many Christmas. How old are you? 65? Uh, pretty close, yeah. 60, 65? Uh, you got three businesses. I have no amount. I have no idea how much floral shops make. You're you're making one hundred and fifty thousand a year right before retirement, and you've got uh, one point eight million in the bank. Okay, you're very iffy on that, but you're right. I'm making about one hundred fifty, and I'm waiting to sell my floral shops to retire. Likely, I'm probably not going to retire. If I have legacy, I may give it to my kids, but they're going to buy me out an ESOP. So you're right on. So the way you ask those questions is. Gee, uh, Mr. Johnson, you are you sound very educated. What did you do for a living? Or if they're older, what did you do before you retired? All you have to do is ask that question, and you're going to get the perfect responses you just gave me. I know how much you made, how much you have. Mm -hmm. The last question is really important. Uh, number one is, are you currently working with a advisor? Yeah. Status quo bias is the biggest clue known to mankind. If advisors talk to them in the last three months, it's very unlikely that they're going to work with you. If the advisor has not talked to them in the last year, you're probably going to get their business if, uh, if you have a good solution for them. Mm -hmm. And the reason is uh, because of status quo bias. Yes. The relationship I have, uh, is, if it's fre frequent, uh, is really sticky. One of my clients is a woman named Kathy Mandel up in Bend, Oregon. In 2008, a woman walked up to her and said, uh, gee, I heard about you. I'm 75 years old. I've lost 46% of my portfolio. Mm. Can you please help me? Kathy said, let's take a look. She had uh, investments in very risky assets, definitely not appropriate for a woman at 75 years old. Yeah. As she pointed out to the lady, the lady said, I just don't want to become a greeter at Walmart. Kathy said, well, this issue, this issue. And the lady said, thank God I found you. I'm going to come back tomorrow with a check. Well, the lady came back the next day without the check. She said, I just talked to my broker. I haven't spoke to in 10 years. He told me to keep it where it was. I just want to let you know I'm not going to be doing it. That's status quo bias. Oh my, yeah. So if someone, has, if someone has talked to their broker in the last three months, you can uh, make your own mind up on that. could be six months. We have to use what we call the wedge technique. I've got to get that person to fire their broker yes. before I can develop a relationship with them. And the very easy beginnings of the wedge is by very simply saying, gee, I'm kind of surprised you'd want to come to a seminar on Social Security. Is your broker not talking about this stuff? 
Another way of saying this is, gee, I'm kind of surprised you're coming to a retirement seminar when your, your broker is very close to you. Is there a reason why your broker is not discussing this with you that you'd rather come to us? Now, someone who wants to fire their broker will say, I don't like him. He's not doing a good job. I'm looking for change. But most likely, they're going to say, uh, yeah, I like him a lot. I'm always trying to get new information, and that person is not qualified. And during the seminar, now we know who's qualified, the people who are not, and we can mm-hmm. focus them on our, and maybe ask questions rhetorically or even uh, interactively with the people that are most qualified that we want to book appointments with. Yeah, absolutely. And, Carrie, a lot of people may sit there and think, you know what, what you're doing is you're planting seeds of doubt. But I disagree. What, what I believe that is is you're actually bringing out what the, the fruit, I would say, fruit of the issue is, right? I mean, you're, you're asking those very poignant questions because – they need to come to their own realization. And as a coach, you know this. When people come to their own realization or come up with their own idea, even if you helped to plant that idea or get them to that point where that idea is their own and they're owning it, that's when the change happens. And so for them to be able to recognize, you know what, my advisor isn't qualified or they're not talking to me as much as they should be about this issue, that's why I'm seeking out some other help. I mean, I would think, that, like you said, that's the tip of the wedge. So I'm really interested to hear what what else there is to it. But Man, what a powerful way to just help them to come to that realization on their own without heavy-handed tactics. But you know, the, the biggest benefit, Eric, is the fact that you're calling. So anytime I speak to a group, I always tell the meeting planner, um, give me three names of people, maybe somebody beginning, middle, and high, uh, a high producer. I'd just like to chat with them about their business. When I do that, those people I speak to before the seminar are the first ones to walk up and buy a book, ask about coaching, uh, buy a CD, a downloaded thing. The first ones to do it. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because there was a relationship before the seminar they felt yeah. connected to. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. That's great. So so what are the other pieces of that wedge, if you want to share, go into that? or we can, we can Well, what I'd rather soon. do is talk about how to book appointments because the wedge, that part of the wedge is important, but the, the seminar, the rest of the seminar thing is really critical. Yeah, let's do it. So so let's do that. So when, when we're in a seminar, what most people do is just say, um, um, hey, give us your evaluation sheets back and uh, we'll give you a call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, 70% memory loss in three, uh, three days, or one day rather, 90% in the three days. So people can't remember where they are. So instead of doing that, let's get people to self-rate why they want to book an appointment with you. So we know the five basic areas that uh, seminar attendees care most about, seniors anyway, mm-hmm. is number one, running out of money, volatility, taxes, inflation, and catastrophic illness or legacy. So let's get people to self-rate on which of those things they're most concerned about. So we have an evaluation sheet. And we say to people, we're going to give away a free dinner for two at blank restaurant. Uh, we're going to pick from the sheets we get back. Please hand them in. This is for a face-to-face. We could talk about how to do this virtually, too. Please hand this in. Um, and b- uh, before we do that, though, I want you to fill it out. Uh, and pr- physical participation, Eric, is a really big deal here. Mm-hmm. P- uh, the goal of attendees is to hide so nobody notices them. They can have a dinner <laughs> and leave. Or the goal, our goal <laughs> is to engage them so that they want to uh, be more connected. And that those kind of people are the ones we book appointments with. Mm-hmm. So here's how you do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just kind of curious. How many of you, a, any time in your life, uh, especially as a senior, kind of worried about running out of money? You know, most of you in this room are going to live to be probably in your uh, middle 90s, and some of you are going to have 30 years of retirement. Does that ever concern you that you might be totally dependent on Social Security? Raise your hands, please. Physical participation. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, mark down one if you're not concerned, 
five if you're very concerned or anything in between. We do the same thing with volatility, same thing with inflation, same thing with uh, taxes, and the same thing with legacy or catastrophic illness. At the very end, then we say, how many of you marked down three or higher for any one of those questions? 90% uh, of the room now are going to raise their hands. Absolutely. 90%. And then we say, great, mark down the box that says, yep, I'd love to book an appointment with Eric. And please mark down a one for your first choice on day and time at the bottom, two for your second choice, and we'll confirm those appointments. So if you do that, now we know why they booked the appointment. Now here's the second part, and this is equally powerful. We call to confirm the appointment. They, it, it isn't that they forgot where they were, because we're not going to let them do it. Mm -hmm. We're going to say to them, uh, gee, Mr. Johnson, I've got your sheet you filled out right here, and uh, you were at our, our seminar last Thursday. By the way, I know you marked down a three for running out of money. What was your thought about that? I noticed you marked down a four for taxes. Tell me why you marked that down. I noticed you marked down a five for uh, volatility, especially uh, COVID-19. What was your reasoning for marking down a five? And they're going to talk. Yes. And then we recap by saying, if I heard you correctly, you said one, two, three. We're going to trial close by saying, if we could take a look at one, two, three, would that be helpful for you? And now they know why they booked the appointment, and they will show up. Nobody is going to cancel. Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're looking for those answers. They were looking for those answers when they walked in the door, and now they're looking forward to getting those answers by sitting down with you. I mean, that's 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 brilliant. Um, I know a lot of advisors who basically their follow-up was their front office assistant making you know making the phone call and then trying to confirm the appointment or make an appointment with people, and so many just don't, right? So, I mean, that, that's yeah. what you're, you're changing the game when it comes to that, and it, it really does – Again, there's the psychology of it, right? They, they want those answers. So here's what happens with me. I, I love that you said that, Eric, because here's what happens, because most advisors think, I'm going to have my assistant call him because I haven't got time. <laughs> exactly. So the assistant calls and says, Mr. Johnson, uh, this is uh, Carrie from the, uh, from the seminar you just went to on Thursday. We just want to confirm your appointment. First thing you think of, what seminar? <laughs> yeah, what was this? What appointment? <laughs> um, how come I'm meeting with this guy? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, give me a call in uh, a couple of months because I'm going on a cruise. Some, uh, I, you know, give me a call. Of my, you know, I'm getting my hair done. That's right. You just that's the worst thing you could possibly do is have the assistant call. Yeah, yeah. As good as they can be, it's it's that conversation that people just don't know that you need to have during that call, and and so that that's fantastic. What other tips would you say for making sure that people are booking? I mean, the, the physical activity or the physical participation, again, that's very, very powerful. I love that. What are the things you're advising your, your clients to do? The seminar is really important, too. Great, great speakers do three things. Number one, great speakers. And great speakers book appointments, by the way. But number one, great speakers have great content, things mm -hmm. you could put to use immediately as soon as you uh, hear the, the seminar. Number two, great speakers have great entertainment humor. Uh, uh, you're able to uh, make people laugh. San Diego State University showed that uh, humor actually increases memory by 83%. And number wow. three, great speakers have great participation. People feel engaged. They feel involved. They feel like they're a part of something. So when you're, uh, uh, my recommendation is, and I've been speaking for you know, uh, at least once or twice a week for 40 years. Uh, my recommendation is we engage people uh, every five minutes in the conversation. So let's let's say we're doing a dinner seminar. You can engage people rhetorically. <clears throat> you can engage people uh, um, 
by asking uh, questions which you expect an answer. And the real wonderful thing is, if we only learned five names, uh, everybody else in the audience thinks they're going to be part of it, and they're going to be thinking, oh, I hope it doesn't call on me. Yeah. He just called on John over there. You know, maybe I'm next. How, do, how does he know John? Uh, uh, so what we do is we say, uh, for example, John, how many people do you think end up on Social Security sometime during their lives? And John's going to think, I don't know. And then you move on. But the fact that you're engaging people makes people really focused, very attentive. Mm -hmm. Physical participation is a big deal, too. COVID-19 is going to belay that probably for about nine months. I spoke at the Million Dollar Roundtable in Vancouver. This guy walked out to me the day afterwards. I was signing books. He said, you know that touch below the elbow thing? That really works. Hmm. I said, well, how do you know that? Well, I was at Cardrina's restaurant. Uh, the server was walking around, Trey Tequila Shooter, just kind of wandering aimlessly. The guy walked up and said, you have some problems tonight? She said, yeah, it's a bad economy. I think nobody likes tequila tonight. Well, listen, I just heard the speaker. Why don't you touch that guy over there on the arm, see if he wants to buy tequila? She said, I'm not going to touch people. Give it a shot. Nothing else is working. She touched him on the arm and said, would you like to buy tequila for yourself or Trey for the whole table? She had the whole thing sold in 10 minutes. Walked out of this beautiful bayfront window just kind of stared. Uh, the guy that heard me speak walked up to her and he said, did it work? She said, yeah, really well. How mm -hmm. can we do it in the tray? She said, I don't want to do it anymore. It worked too well. I think it's unethical. So wow. that's a really good example of telling stories, engagement, participation. And the best speakers that get do those three things are the ones who book the most amount of appointments. Because because it makes them memorable. Yeah, we, We've done studies before on memories. In fact, my PhD thesis was on engrams, how we remember things as a part of it, information integration theory stuff. And we've discovered that if I give you two num uh, 10 two-digit numbers, Eric, I'm not going to do it right now, you'll get three. And that's our theory of three plus or minus two. People retain no more than three things. Hmm. And the crazy thing is, is primacy recency. You can remember a couple of things at the beginning, a couple of things at the end, and nothing in the middle. So all they really could think about, did I like that guy? Was he entertaining? Mm -hmm. uh, was there ideas that I can use immediately? Or did he try to make me understand? Or, or was I engaged? Could I trust him? Big difference between the two. Wow, absolutely. I mean, this, is, this has been riveting. I, we're getting low on time, but I'm not skipping over a couple of the things that I want to make sure we do. Number one, I want to ask you a few questions just about you personally, and then we're going to talk about the book a little bit as well. Dr. Johnson, what do you do when you're not changing the world with this, with this stuff and, and, and teaching <laughs> people how to, how to build their businesses? What are you doing personally? Uh, well, I, you know, I play tennis, and uh, I just played last night. Uh, my tennis buddies are all in the 30s. I'm the uh, old man of the hill. I'm 65. And uh, so, I, you know, I, my body's given out pretty quickly, and I, I play golf. And I, I'm married to a beautiful flight attendant with American Airlines. She's still flying, too. And I've got uh, oh, a granddaughter that's two and one of the ways. So I'm, I'm a blessed guy. Very oh, happy. man. Grandkids are the best. They are yeah, the they best. are. Absolutely. Well, that, that, is, that is fun. You are a blessed man. I love it. Uh, I, let's, let's talk about your book, New Mindset, New Results. What inspired it, and what is it about? You know, it really was interesting to me over the last decade, the number of people I coach, 
that really embraced stuff and they just took off. And the number of people who I coached who just struggled. Mm. You know, I always tell people you will increase your business by 80% within eight weeks. But what I don't tell people is how difficult they can make it on themselves, how much they can self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. So you could show somebody maybe a, a concept like the three-month phone call, the five-step bridge. And the people with a wonderful mindset will embrace it, use it. And there's other people who just say, well, no, I have a better way of doing it. I'm going to do it my way. And they just keep <laughs> wallowing in this, in this uh, sameness that they've yeah. always had. Yeah. So we came up with uh, a, a concept called the results-focused mindset. So Carol Dweck, a uh, Stanford University uh, psychologist researcher, uh, uh, found out that there was actually two mindsets. One was a fixed mindset. And the fixed mindset people basically think about what I have right now, the way I think is all I'll ever have. So uh, here's a question for you, Eric. Do you think IQ can be changed or is it static? I think it can be changed. Wow. Why do you think that? Because I think personal growth and just your own development can actually change that. I could be completely wrong, uh, which would speak to my IQ, but <laughs> I think by exercising, I think the brain is a muscle. And I think that exercising that muscle can help you retain and, and increase your ability to problem solve and all those things. Well, interesting you say that because educators and also most edu- educational psychologists thought that IQ would never change up until about 10 years ago. IQ is uh, defined as the ability to learn. Mm-hmm. And once you have an IQ, gate students, gifted students get money from the state, uh, no matter what state it is. And they identify these kids by, by the time they're usually 12 years old because they know that after 12 it's not going to change. So fixed mindset people believe that. <clears throat> so the success I'm getting right now is all I'll ever get. So I have people who say, I just want more leads. Just give me more leads. Of course, their closing ratio is 25%. Some more leads basically says one in four. Mm-hmm. And they spend all this money buying leads. Uh, they do do the dinner seminars. They're spending 600 bucks per person. The growth mindset is totally different. The growth mindset people are those folks who think, this didn't work. I need to learn a better system. This is not effective. I'm going to learn how to do it more effectively over Mm -hmm. here. The growth mindset people will typically learn something new, and they will look at every experience they had a setback on or failure as a way uh, to be able to get to something better. The uh, results-focused mindset is taking both those things, the growth mindset, but applying it towards where you want to be. So let's take an example. So let's say that I wanted my income to go to a million bucks a year. I'm making $200,000 a year. The fixed mindset person says, I need to buy more leads. I'll get it that way. The growth mindset person says, I need to learn, uh, number one, I probably have to get my CFP or at least my Series 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I probably have to uh, maybe learn some better sales skills. I probably have to get a little bit sharper about asset allocation. But the results-focused mindset person says, if I'm going to be able to get to a million bucks a year, I have to learn the specific skill sets to get there, and I'm 100% committed to doing it every day and every week. That's a results-focused mindset. You have a specific goal. You change how you think to hit that goal, and you stay consistent and uh, disciplined. One of my clients is a guy named Rick Martin. Omaha, Nebraska, by the way, Eric. All right. Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines, and uh, he went from 200 to 1.2 million by working with me. And I said, Rick, you were so consistent. How do you do that? He said, Well, uh, I was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines, and during boot camp, a DI said, Sir, if you don't keep your promises, people die. 
And Rick said that was the best wow. motivational lecture he ever went through. Wow. So the results focused mindset is changing how you think what you do according to a goal. A growth mindset is just having a better mental attitude and making sure you learn from mistakes and fix people just have a real hard time with life. Yeah. Wow. Dr. Kerry Johnson, this has been incredibly powerful. And uh, I say your full name like that because, number one, out of respect. Number two, I want people to hear that name, and they're going to hear it again from me. Because, Dr. Kerry Johnson, I want you to give your contact information for every person listening to this. How do they get a hold of you so that they can begin to have that mindset that, that uh, will lead them to more success? Uh, the website is kerryjohnson.com, K-E-R-R-Y. J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com, K-E-R-R-Y-J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com, and uh, telephone number is 714-368-3650, 714-368-3650. And any listener uh, that wants to chat with me for a couple minutes, I'll give them a free video on that uh, seminar stuff we just talked about, too. Wow. Fantastic. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much. Everyone listening to this, don't forget that name, Dr. Kerry Johnson. You're going to want to reach out. I appreciate your time so much today. Thank you again. Thanks, Eric. You bet. And the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at InsureMark, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 